Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. All right, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Good. I, whenever you talk back to me, I know you're doing good because I love it. Like you're, you're here and you're present and you're ready and I can't make this thing stand up like it's supposed to. Uh, I am excited to share today. Ignore my volunteers on the stage here for just a minute. We'll get to what that's all about in a second. But before I jump into the message, I just want to take a minute and honor some very important people in the room this morning. You know, yesterday we celebrated Veterans Day. And there are so many men and women who have served faithfully in our armed forces. And listen, we know that freedom is never free. And so I just want to take a minute and give honor where honor is due. And so if you're here today and you've served in, in any of our armed forces at any time, would you do me a favor and stand to your feet so that we can honor you this morning? Anyone in the room? Awesome. Let's give him a great big hand. Thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for all you've invested. We, we are forever grateful. And so we just, we really do honor you today. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you guys for taking a moment to just give honor what honors do. Because honestly, we've always got to pause and make sure that we're doing that in our life. But I'm just, I'm going to dive straight into the message today. I hope you're ready for it. You know, if you haven't been here the past couple weeks, we were going through a, a sermon series called The Monster Inside Me. And if you missed any of it, I'm just going to tell you, you need to go and listen to the podcast because it was a game changer. There was so much practical information that was given that if we just apply to our life, it could actually change the trajectory of our lives. And so I just want to encourage you, if you missed it, go in and listen to that. But as Pastor Kerry was closing it out last week, I just, I felt like God just dropped this word in my heart for the movement church, for this time and for this season, like right now. And so I believe that God wants to speak to us today and, and that he'll lean in real close and speak directly to you through the message that is being shared today. So can I just ask you, would you pray with me? And, and let's bow our heads and close our eyes and invite God to do what only he can do in this place. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for who you are. God, thank you that you, you are good. You are faithful. In the midst of whatever thing that we are walking through, God, you are so faithful. So God, for every single one of us in the room today, I know it's not by accident that any of us are here. So God, would you just lean in close and would you speak directly to each and every one of our hearts, myself included. God, we just want to know more of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I looked up the definition of the word panic. Panic is sudden, uncontrollable fear or anxiety, often causing wildly unthinking behavior, right? I had my first and probably one of my only panic attacks when I moved from Dallas, Texas to Phoenix, Arizona. 
And I had no idea what was happening to me. You see, my family had made this big decision to make a, a ginormous move. And we had never done anything like that before. I had a two-year-old little girl, my whole family, Pastor Carrie's whole family. They all lived in Texas. Everyone was there. And we really felt like God was asking us to move to be a part of a great church in Phoenix, Arizona. And so we went out to visit, to look for a home, to kind of nail down all of the things that were going to be happening. And I found myself one of the evenings sitting up in bed, holding my knees, sobbing and rocking back and forth. And I was really, I was actually kind of freaked out myself because I don't typically respond to things like that. And, and I just couldn't control it. I was, and I was also scaring my husband. So that was exciting. But he's like rubbing my back and praying for me and trying to figure out what to do. But there wasn't anything that anybody could do in that moment. It really was a, a panic attack. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that before, but it just feels out of control. And I remember just praying and eventually falling asleep that night. And the next day I got up and I called a pastor, a friend of mine, because I thought, this is not like me. And I called her and I just began to paint the picture of what had happened. And, and she just encouraged me and prayed for me, but she said, let me share something with you. I heard a pastor the other day saying this, and you might want to write it down because it, it might be something that you're going to want to remember. So I pulled out a pen to, to write down what she was going to share, and she said this, a, a great pastor and author named Max Lucado wrote this, and he said, you'll get through this. It won't be painless, it won't be quick, but God will take this mess and use it for something good. In the meantime, don't be foolish and don't be naive, but don't despair either. With God as your helper, you'll get through this. And those words just meant so much to me in that moment. And we made that move to Arizona, and about two months into that move, I got a call. And that call was from my mom because my dad had been battling a rare form of cancer. Only 30 people in the entire world had had it. He'd been fighting for three years. And he was taken into the ICU, and I immediately got on a plane and flew home to be with my family. And for about five days, they proceeded to keep my dad alive on life support. And we had to make a tough decision as a, a family that that wasn't the way that he was going to want to live out the rest of his life. And so we made a decision to take him off of life support. And that day was overwhelming. And I remember, I'll never forget, just sitting in the little chapel and sitting there with my head in my hands and tears running down my face thinking, how am I even functioning right now? But knowing it was the grace of God. And I opened my Bible and found this little piece of paper with some words that I'd written down just a few months earlier. You'll get through this. It won't be painless. It won't be quick. But God will take this mess and he'll use it for something good. So in the meantime, don't be foolish and don't be naive, but don't despair either. With God as your helper, you'll get through this. October 1st, 2017, around midnight, I heard from a young girl who's been in our church that her brother had just become a victim of the mass shooting in Las Vegas. And through the heroic action of his girlfriend and two complete strangers, they got him to the hospital where he then went un he underwent about four major surgeries for the next week to save his life. 
And in the few conversations that I had with this young lady, just talking to her through the process that she was in, I was reminded of some words that had meant a lot to me that I shared with her. You'll get through this. It won't be painless. It won't be quick. But God will take this mess and he'll use it for something good. So in the meantime, don't be foolish and don't be naive, but don't despair either. With God as your helper, you'll get through this. Then October 11th, 2017, I walked out of a workout to a text message on my phone from a pastor friend in Santa Rosa, California. It said this, please pray. We're being evacuated from our home because of the fires now. My sister and brother-in-law's house has burnt to the ground. She's expecting a baby in three weeks. And we already know of at least 10 families in our church who've lost everything. What are the words to say for that? Except you'll get through this. It won't be painless. It won't be quick. But God will take this mess and he will use it for something good. So in the meantime, don't be foolish and don't be naive, but don't despair either. With God as your helper, you'll get through this. You know, in the last week alone at the Movement Church, we've had one crisis after another. And it's funny because I feel like we've stood on this platform since about September with crazy things happening in our world. And every single Sunday we get up and we pray a prayer of faith, but we don't have an explanation sometimes for the challenging things that we walk through personally or that our world walks through, do we? We, can't, we don't have an answer to give sometimes. And in this last week alone, we had one leader in our church who spent two days in the emergency room. We had another leader in our church whose cousin was killed instantly in a car accident. A church in Texas faced the greatest devastation they have ever known last Sunday. And it's overwhelming. Wednesday morning at 7.30 in the morning, I got a phone call from Pastor Gurley, one of our pastors on our team. And she immediately said to me, Megan, Kristen Zimmerman has had a stroke. And I just was taken aback. Now, I know you may not know Kristen, but I know Kristen. She's a 26-year-old young lady in our church. She has a nine-month-old baby girl who's just wonderful. And her husband has been deployed in the Middle East. And she's been a consistent part of the Movement Church family. And at 26 years old, something caused her to have a stroke. Now, I'm not going to share the whole story with you right now because we're going to come back to it later, but I do want you to know that Kristen is actually doing great. She's actually home. In fact, the military sent Paul, her husband, home to be here with her. And I'm telling you, it's a miracle of God. But sometimes things feel overwhelming, don't they? I, I know that it might seem like a downer. Why? Why is she telling us all these stories of devastation and all these stories of crisis? But I'm telling the stories because they're real. I'm telling the stories because they're personal. And lately, it seems like our world has gone just a little bit crazy, doesn't it? It seems like all around us, there's a little bit of chaos. And it creates confusion, and it makes us feel sometimes overwhelmed. But here's the thing. Jesus never promised us a carefree, problem-free, crisis-free world. In fact, in John 16, he said this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Why? Because Jesus knows that we need peace in our lives. But this next line, it says this, in this world you will have what? Trouble. 
in this world, you will have trouble. I think if Jesus said it, we can expect that it's going to happen. In this world, you will have trouble, but, I love it when there's a but attached. It says, but, take heart. I have overcome the world. Listen, this is a promise from Jesus for you and me today, friends. So I want to encourage you, whatever you might be facing, whatever you walked in the room carrying today, maybe it's just a, a financial frustration. Maybe, maybe it's an unhealthy work environment. Maybe for some of you, it's a child who won't sleep through the night and you feel tired and overwhelmed. Maybe it's a family member who just can't help but cause drama around the holidays. Maybe it's a, a difficult conversation that you're anticipating having with your spouse. Maybe it's loss or sickness or pain or fear. Listen, you'll get through this. It won't be painless. It won't be quick. But God will take this mess and he'll use it for something good. So in the meantime, don't be foolish and don't be naive. But don't despair either. With God as your helper, you'll get through this. And I know you go, how do you know, right? How do you know? Well, here's the thing. I know a story of the worst of sinners who found himself completely forgiven and the trajectory of his life changed forever. He endured illness, disease, persecution, stoning. He was shipwrecked on an island. He was imprisoned for years without trial. He was isolated and alone, but yet surrounded by many. And this man, his name was the Apostle Paul. And one of the things about the Apostle Paul is that he wrote so much of the New Testament that we read today in the Bible. He wrote so many of the chapters as letters to different churches as he was giving them instruction. And in these letters, he reminded the churches over and over again that what was intended for evil, God can reroute and turn into something good. Listen, what was intended for evil, God can reroute and turn into something good. And Paul knew this firsthand. He knew this by experience because what we see as a perfect mess, God sees as a perfect opportunity. You know, one of the books that Paul wrote was written to the Roman church. So it was written to the Christians that were in Rome. And this book itself was not addressing a specific issue. This book was actually talking about the big picture idea of Christianity. And one of the big picture ideas of Christianity is found in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And it says this, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. And I think that this scripture can be so challenging for us today, especially in the face of crisis, because we hear it and we go, all things work together for good? I don't see it. I don't understand how, right? But I have a, a little word picture for you this morning. Do I have any coffee lovers in the room? Just a few of you. Like, I'm surprised there's not more hands up. We, we need to show you some good coffee. You know, when I think about making a great cup of coffee, I first think about the coffee beans, right? And these coffee beans on their own, as they come, they're, they're not that great to taste. I mean, you could put one in your mouth and chew on it, but you're going to be severely disappointed, right? It is just not the same as a cup of coffee. And it might get a little caffeine in your blood, but, but it's just not that great. But do you know what has to happen to these beans for them to be used properly? These beans have to be put through the grinder. 
They've got to be ground up and completely destroyed. And I just wonder how many of us feel like we're in the, the grinding season of life right now. Where just everything going on in our world feels like it's all falling apart. It's completely destroyed. And then the next thing that you have to do to make a great pot of coffee is you got to boil some water. And that water has got to get so hot that if it spilled on your hand, it would burn you, right? It is boiling hot. And I wonder how many of us feel like we're in a season of life where the heat is on. And we're just, we're just overwhelmed. It just feels like we can't catch a break because the heat is on. And, and then to make a really great cup of coffee, you combine the, the coffee grounds and the hot water into a French press. And a, over the process of time, you let it kind of sit there and steep, right? You have to wait for it for a few minutes. And some of us feel like we're in the waiting season. We've been ground up. The heat's been on. We're just sitting waiting for God to make something good out of all of this. And you know what comes next? you got to press the coffee. Some of you feel the pressure. You feel the pressing. You're, you're confused by it all. But when each of those things is on its own, it's not anything really that good, right? But when you combine all of them to make a cup of coffee, and you pour that cup of coffee, and you add a little creamer, and you take your first sip, you say, it is good, right? All things work together for good. Through the process of time, good happens. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 9, another book that Paul wrote, he said, we are pressed from every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. We're hunted down, but listen, we are never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we get up again. It doesn't say that, but we're not destroyed, right? Listen, God will take all of the things that you're walking through in your life, all of the situations, and as the word says, he will work all of these things together for good. God is not nearly as concerned with our comfort and our fun, but he is very concerned with our good. He's very concerned with our good, and he's working all things together for good. And that process of time is going to require us to trust him. You know, when I look back on my life almost 11 years ago when I lost my dad, I still feel the pain. That hasn't gone away. I still deal with the loss. But God has given purpose to that pain. You see, the thing about God is he never wastes a hurt. He never wastes a loss or a struggle. He's working all these things together for your good and for his glory if we choose to trust him. You know, one of my favorite verses, and this won't be on the screen, but it's found in Proverbs 3.5, and it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. That means we're not going to understand it all. We're not going to have all the answers. We're not going to have all the solutions. But we trust in the Lord with all our heart. And then it says, he will direct your path. So in all things, we have to, number one, choose to trust him. And number two, in all things, we've got to choose joy. The thing about joy is joy is a choice. It's not a feeling. Happiness is a feeling. 
But joy, oh, it's a choice. It's something you have to decide that you're going to have, right? You know, when I was uh, writing this message, I decided to go and sit in the perfect environment. And for me, that involves coffee. And so I went to Starbucks, and I chose the Starbucks that was going to have the perfect view. California weather has been cooperating so well lately, and I just thought, I'm going to sit outside on a patio with a hot cup of coffee. I'm going to put my earbuds in and listen to my worship music, and, and I'm going to gaze off in the distance at the ocean because I can, because we live here. And I just set myself up in the perfect location. Table, iPad, my headphones are in. I am listening to music. I am writing. I'm getting so inspired by this view. And all of a sudden, this trash truck pulls up and blocks my view. Like right in front of me, they have a picture of it. Okay, I'm sitting right there, a trash truck. I could reach out and touch it practically. And not only did it completely block my view, it smelled awful. Like, it, it was a trash truck, you guys. It could have been any kind. It was a trash truck. It smelled so bad. And it was so stinking loud. I had my beats in, and they block out tons of noise. But I could hear just the rumbling of this truck and the clanging of the trash bins as they're lifting them up and dropping it in. And I'm praying no pieces of trash go flying into, my, like, my space. And I was so frustrated. I almost moved. I almost picked up all of my things and went inside Starbucks so I didn't have to deal with it anymore. It was totally stealing my joy. But eventually, the trash truck moved and this was my view. Ah, oh, everybody, just take a deep breath. When you look at that, the oceans in the distance, cool air on your face. Ah, oh, joy, right? I could have picked up and I could have moved. But I didn't. I chose to stay put because I knew that on the other side of that trash truck, I still had a great view. And at some point, that trash truck was going to move out of my way. And at some point, the smell was going to clear. And at some point, it was going to quiet down again, right? You got to choose joy. In Paul's letter to the Philippians, he wrote this letter during his first imprisonment. So this is when he was imprisoned in jail. He was actually in jail in his own house. So he's like paying for his house and they are locking him in there. And so you think about that and it's just a crazy situation. So this, this imprisonment was, was a little overwhelming for him. He was attached to a Roman soldier, like literally attached. This Roman soldier was with him at all times. But in this letter, he writes this cheerful and personal letter to the Philippian church. And he talks a lot about overcoming problems and trials and he talks about choosing joy. And when we study that, we just go, whoa, how did Paul have that kind of perspective in the midst of this crazy situation he was in? And I love Philippians chapter 4. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul gives some instruction to us as the, as the church. And he gets to speak from a position of someone who's having to practice what he preaches. He is living it out, so he has the right to tell us what to do, right? And in Philippians 4.4, 4, he says this in the Passion Translation, be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of life. In what season of life? Every season. Are you kidding me? Be joyful in every season of life, for you are united with the anointed one. What he's saying is, you as a Christ follower, you have this relationship with Jesus, and so you get to choose to be joyful no matter what the season looks like. So I have a question for you. What's the trash truck in your life right now? What's the thing, the distraction 
that's trying to steal your joy. What is that? You see, I think sometimes we're, we get overwhelmed by the crisis or the frustration or the situation that we're walking through, and we hear that. We hear this, choose joy, but we're thinking, how? How do I do that when I'm feeling the way that I'm feeling? We see Paul found the secret to that, and he continued on in Philippians 4, 11 through 13, and he says, listen, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I'm in to be content. And we're like, how, Paul? How have you learned that? He says, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, in any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And we're like, please tell us the secret. And he gets to verse 13 and he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Listen, church, God will strengthen you for whatever situation you face. In another chapter of the Bible, Paul says, in my weakness, he is made strong. When I'm feeling weak, when I'm feeling like I can't do it, Christ will give me strength. In Nehemiah 8.10, it tells us the joy of the Lord is my strength. So what do we have to do? We've got to choose joy. And when we choose joy, we'll find strength. So in all things, we one, choose to trust him. Two, we choose joy. And three, we choose together. We choose together. Listen to me, church. We're not created to do life alone. We're not. We're not created to walk through pain or crisis or frustration or sickness or really just life. Fill in the blank. Life. We are not created to walk through life alone. We're better together. It's not just a cute hashtag you put on a picture on Instagram or Facebook. We really are better together. In that same chapter, chapter 4 of Philippians, when Paul was, was teaching the Philippian church, in verse 9, he actually basically says, you need me. And in verse 14 and 15, he says, I need you. You need me, and I need you. Verse 9, Paul's really saying, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He's saying, watch me. Watch me navigate crisis. Watch me navigate pain. Watch me navigate loss and frustration. And through it, you'll see the faithfulness of God. You see, there's people on the other side of your story who need to see you navigate the challenge you're facing right now. They need to see you push through and get through it. They need to see your faith in the most difficult circumstance. They need to see how you can just fight fear that tries to paralyze your mind. They need to see this. Why? Because it will point them to the faithfulness of God. Because it's in his strength in the first place that we're able to get through anything, right? So people need you. They need your story. And then in verse 14, Paul is reminded of how much we need people. He says this, he starts with the, I can do anything through Christ who gives me strength. And then he goes on, even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. Listen, we need people when the stuff hits the fan. We do. We need people. We need one another. You know, I, I told you a little bit about Kristen and the call that I got 
on Wednesday morning of this week. You see, I don't know if you know Kristen, but she's, she's a brilliant 26-year-old girl, and she's very medically minded. So she woke up at 3 a.m., and she thought, I think I'm having the symptoms of a stroke. And what 26-year-old thinks they're ever going to have a stroke? But she thought, I think I'm having some symptoms of a stroke. I probably need to get to the hospital so I can get checked out. Her husband is deployed. He was in the Middle East. So what did she do? She picked up the phone and she called her friends. She called her friends Matt and Allison Rogers. You know why they're her friends? They're her friends because she's been going to church with them. And she hasn't just been going to church with them. She serves on a team with them. They serve on the kids' team together. And not just serving on a team with them, she's been in connect group with them. These are her people. And so she knew in the middle of the night at 3 a.m., I can call Matt and Allison Rogers because I know they'll come and get me. They'll take me to, to the hospital that's on base because that's where she was planning to go and just get checked out and, and get everything figured out. And what happened is after she got a hold of them, they got in their car at 3 a.m. and began driving to her house. And on the way there, they thought, you know what? This could go bad. This, this really might be a stroke. And they called 911. And because they made that call, they saved Kristen's life. When they got to the house, it makes me cry every time I tell the story. When they got to the house at 3 a.m., they couldn't get in. Because at this point, Kristen had already been paralyzed on the left side. Couldn't speak, couldn't do anything to let them in her house. And Riley is nine months old and in a crib. And they began banging on neighbors' doors, doing whatever they could to try to get into the house. And they got into the house, and Allison went to get the baby, and Matt went in to take care of Kristen, and the paramedics showed up. And because the paramedics showed up, they had this 30-minute window of time that they could administer this drug to her that would cause the paralyzation to not, take, like, to not be permanent. And so because they got there and they were able to administer that drug, they saved her life. And I sat in the hospital talking with her on Thursday, and she's talking normal, and she's telling the doctors what to do because that's just how she is. But we sat there, and her eyes filled up with tears, and she said, Matt and Allison literally saved my life. The trajectory of her future, of her family, is completely different because of together, because of relationship." And if you're sitting here today and you're going, I don't, I don't know if I have those kind of relationships. I don't, I don't know if I have those people that I would call. I've got to challenge you. There is no better place for you to be than right here this morning. You look around. The people sitting around you, these are your people. These are your together. Listen, the church is so much more than just attending. It's about belonging. It's about belonging to a family that you get to choose. <sighs> That's pretty amazing, isn't it? But you have to take the steps necessary to build those kind of relationships. And maybe you're here today, and, and I just got to encourage you, maybe you haven't figured out, where do I belong at the Movement Church? Maybe it's your first time here today, and I just like to say, welcome home. But maybe you're here, and you're just going, I just don't know yet. Right after today's service, we're going to meet in that family room. We have a welcome to church party. We're going to have a great time sharing our story about the church and getting to know you. But I'm telling you, if you'll come, you'll be able to identify where you belong. You'll be able to, to find out all about it. So if you've never been to the welcome to church party, man, today is your day. 
It's, your, it's right after this service. We're going to feed you. We'll take care of your kids. It's going to be fun. We, we have a good time together. And listen, if you haven't jumped on a team, you're missing out. There is just something so exciting about church when we link arms with one another and we go, let's do this together. There's something so fun about being part of a group of people that's actually making a difference with their lives. If you haven't gone to a connect group, these are the people that are going to pray with you. They're going to be consistent in your world. They're going to check in on you. These are the friends that you call at 3 a.m. when the stuff hits the fan. Listen, we are better together. So I want to challenge you. Wherever you find yourself today, whatever you're facing right now in this moment, whether it's great blessing or great lack, whether it's huge joy or huge disappointment, if it's dreams fulfilled or unanswered prayers, I want to challenge you that you can do, you can handle, you can endure all things through Christ who gives you strength. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. So we've got to choose to trust him. We've got to choose joy. And we've got to choose together. And listen to me. You'll get through this. It won't be painless. It won't be quick. But God will take this mess and use it for something good. So in the meantime, don't be foolish and don't be naive. But don't despair either. With God as your helper, you'll get through this. You know, I want to pray for some of us in the room this morning who could use some help from God. And it doesn't matter how big or how small the situation might seem that you're facing. I found myself lately just battling fear, just crazy things coming into my head. And, and I thought, that's not God. And I've been praying, but I know that, that God is going to give me the strength to get through that. So the situation that you're facing, whatever it is that you might be walking through, listen to me, God will work all things together for good. He's faithful to do that. He won't let you down. I promise you, I know what the word of God says. I know that it says he'll never leave us or forsake us. And sometimes we feel abandoned, but we're not. He's right there beside us going, you can do this. You can make it. It's going to be okay. It may hurt right now, but I promise I'm going to see you through the pain. We have a faithful God who loves you so much. He loves you so much that he... He made it happen for you to be here in the seats this morning. You think you had this perfect plan of getting to church. I'm telling you, God orchestrated it because he knew that you needed to be reminded that you'll get through this. He knew you needed to be reminded of his, of his faithfulness, of the hope that is found in him, of the peace that can be found in a relationship with Jesus. So let's hang in there. Let's not be discouraged. Let's not grow weary. Let's remember that God is our source. And I'd like to pray for us this morning. I'm actually going to pray a scripture found in Colossians 1, verse 9. And before I pray that, I'd just like to ask, is there anybody in this room who identifies and says, I could use a little bit of prayer? A lot of us. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I'm going to pray this scripture verse over us. God, I pray 
for every person in this room, that they will have the strength to stick it out over the long haul. Not the grim strength of gritting their teeth, but the glory strength that God gives. It's the strength that endures the unendurable and spills over into joy. Thanking the Father who makes us strong enough to take part in everything bright and beautiful he has for us. So God, for every person in the room today, God, for every person who's here, Lord, would you just lean in close and remind them that you are with them, that you will never leave them or forsake them, that you're going to see them through. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, can we give it up for Megan? What an amazing message. You'll get through this. You know, before we go any further, I want to take a moment to talk to some of you who are here today that you may be wavering in your faith. Sometimes we hear a message like that, and we need to know what is the starting line. And if you're here and you've never begun a relationship with Jesus, that is your next step. And I'm not talking about church membership. And I'm definitely not talking about getting everything in your past in order. Sometimes we think we've got to get all cleaned up to get to God, but that couldn't be further from the truth. We just need to start with God and let Him handle the rest. So if you're here today and you've never begun that relationship, in a moment I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'm going to pray a prayer and I want to just challenge you right where you're seated. Nobody has to know. I'm not going to ask you to get out of your seat, but right where you are seated, I want to challenge you to pray this prayer and make this decision to say yes to Jesus, to start this journey. And if some of you are here today and you've been running from God, today is the day to come running back. And I want to challenge you to pray this prayer with me perhaps for the first time in a long time. But look at me. Don't let this moment pass you by. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? No one looking around. If you're here and you've never prayed this prayer, or it's time to pray it again for the first time in a long time, I want to challenge you. Make this decision yours today. In the stillness and the quietness of your own heart, or maybe in a small whisper, would you just pray this after me today? Say, Dear God, I know that you're real. I know that you love me, that you've given me purpose, and no matter what I face, you're going to help me get through this. I'm not perfect. I've got sin in my life. Would you forgive me? Now just make this prayer your own. This is your moment. Just say these words after me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Please email us at info at theocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Please send us an email at info at theocmovement.com. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.
If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.